Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name's Ryan. My name's Brandt. And this episode, we're discussing SST69, the compilation called Chunks, which we've discussed a few times before, but we have not done a deep dive. So looking forward to that. Do you have any spiels, Brandt? I have quite a few, actually. Oh, boy. Do you? Go for it. Do you have any? I have a few, but I'll make them uh, short and sweet once you're done your long list. Okay. Let's see here. Well, there's a few SST-related releases coming out that we haven't, I don't think, touched on. So I figured we should do that. St. Vitus has a new album. They're celebrating 40 years. They're touring Europe in April. And uh, there's not a lot of details on the new album, but assumption is that it's Scott Rieger's on vocals because he's in the band and he's touring with them, which would make it his first appearance on a studio album with the band since Die Healing in 1995 and the band's first studio album since 2012. They did one with Wino in 2012, so pretty excited about that. There's a new Meat Puppets album coming out on March 8th called Dusty Notes. It's coming out on Megaforce, which I'm pretty sure the last one came out on. Rat Farm in 2013. It doesn't feel like it's been that long, but there's a new track up online called Warranty. Sounds really great. Uh, Kurt's son, Elmo, is on second guitar. He's been with them for a while. And they've got a keyboardist too, Rob Stabinski. Sorry, Ron Stabinski. And as most listeners of this podcast will undoubtedly know, Derek Bostrom is back in the band uh, who hasn't recorded with them since No Joke in 1995. So really looking forward to that. Uh, here's a bit of a scoop, Ryan. This is like, I think, I'm going to call this a Mojack exclusive, but I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I Famous did, last words. Yeah. I did an interview with Keith Morris. I think I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, maybe before Christmas, that he has this podcast I like that he does with Pete Weiss from Thelonious Monster, and it's called The Blow Mind Show, where they talk about conspiracy theories. They haven't done one since August, but Keith's pretty busy. So anyways, I did a did a quick interview with Keith about the podcast, and I got a quote from him. He says, Off have 20, 25 songs written for a soundtrack to their movie. <laughs> We've got to record first, and then we'll get around to making our film. What what film though? A blow mind film or off film? I guess an off film. Okay. I don't know I'm if that would be like a scripted movie, I'm assuming. That's what it sounds like. I'm gonna post my interview with Keith up on our blog, mojackpod.com. I tried to give the site a little bit of a ref refresh and I fucked up all of the old articles, so Maybe don't click on any of those just yet, because I'm going through them and trying to, to fix <laughs> fix them all up. Well, we need a new webmaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any volunteers out there? <laughs> hey, we jam a cono at Mojack Pod. Yeah, you got that right. Hey, yeah. Brent, while you're going to your next spiel, have we ever mentioned that Bob Mould has got a new record coming out, Sunshine Rock? Yeah, we mentioned that in the best of 2018 spiel. Oh, okay. Okay, so here's what made me think of these new albums. I got the new Flesh Eaters called I Used to Be Pretty. It's out now on Yep Rock Records. It's really good. It's got lots of really full instrument instrumentation like sax and uh, DJ Bone Break does a lot of vibes on it. Hmm. A few standouts for me, a track called My Life to Live, which has got a real Thunders vibe to it. They do a, quite a few covers on it. The Green Man Alishi originally done by Fleetwood Mac, the Peter Green era, but also Judas Priest and the Melvins have done it, and probably a bunch of other bands too. They do another song that's been covered a lot, Cinderella by the Sonics. Uh, they do She's Like Hero Heroin to Me by the Gun Club, which is probably my favorite cover on there. Another standout track is uh, one called Wedding Dice for Me, and it ends with a 13-minute song called Ghost Cave Lament which is really good. Uh, it's got great production by this guy, Craig Parker Adams, who has done a bunch of the more recent Dave Alvin stuff. It's really good. And kind of relevant to what we're discussing tonight, 
Water Under the Bridge announced some cool stuff in 2019. I don't know if you saw that. I did. Hit it. Yeah. Well, I asked Craig Avera for some some info, and here's what I got from him. Our first release in 2019 will be the Incest Cattle three-song cassette with download, recorded in 1983 by Don Bowles of The Germs and engineered by Paul B. Cutler of 45 Grave, etc., Incest Cattle was a short-lived band that included the late John Napier of Ethel Meat Plow and E. Coli on vocals and guitar, Doug Carrion from Descendants, Doggy Style and Dag Nasty on bass, and Paul Kelly on drums. They have a track on the We Got Power compilation, Party Animal, on Mystic Records that came out in 1983. Really twisted, awesome shit. This will be out in February sometime. Yeah, I saw that one. I'm pumped about that one. Yep. Uh, the Mood of Defiance release is going to include their first LP, Now, that was released in 1982 on New Underground Records, which was Gary Kale and Danny Phillips' label, who were both in the band's Anti and Mood of Defiance second version, along with compilation tracks from, from the various Life Is comps, which we've talked about, I think, on this podcast a few times. that we're also on New Underground. This will be a cassette-only release that will include a download. Not sure about the release date. The Saccharin Trust release will be cassette-only with download and will include a compilation of live and rehearsal stuff from when Richie Haas was playing vibraphone with them. The Wish Granters LP is a collaboration between Jamie Morrison of Pale Angels on guitar and vocals Jimmy Felix of Toys That Kill and Clown Sounds on drums, and Mike Watt on bass. Jamie is the main figurehead. It was his idea. Split release between Water Under the Bridge and Recess Records. Probably out in June. You guys would dig Pale Angels. They have a couple records on the Pedro label, Recess Records. I'm assuming you are into Pale Angels, Ryan? I have not sought them out. You should. I checked out one album by by them called Primal Play that came out in 2013, and I think you'd probably really like it. Yeah, just hang on one second. I might actually have it. Hang on. <laughs> no, I don't. I'll have to check that out. It's definitely like 90s indie rock influenced. It sounds right a on. little Nirvana-esque at times to me, but not in a bad way. Okay. A few corrections or uh, clarifications from last week's episode on Slovenly. Steve Anderson sent me a few things. He says, Tom plays bass with his fingers, and Scott used a pick. Scott played on movement, give him a sip, interruptions, and Tom played on big tree, cartwheels, bleached, and at sea. Tim, as in Tim Plowman, played bass on On the Beach, pretty sure the only time he ever played bass on a slovenly record and if you remember ryan one of the dead wax quotes was the darkest hour is always before pizza yes the darkness pizza thing refers to a power outage during the recording we ordered pizza and right before it arrived the power went out Ooh, so there, ominous there you go ominous pizza delivery that's right <laughs> the only other thing i wanted to mention is that uh, Lorna Doom from the Germs passed away this week, and uh, Mike Watt posted a picture on Instagram and said, no Germs, no Minutemen. Yeah, man, that's too bad. Yeah. The more and more shows we do, the more and more people are are dropping off. It's too bad. Those are my spiels. Well, I have a few real quick, and actually they're kind of related to, I mean, you were referencing 90s indie rock stuff, I had mentioned in a podcast a number of episodes ago the that uh, documentary, the Smart Records story, that yeah. that studio that uh, Butch Vig, right. in particular, is probably the most famous guy who was involved in. Anyways, they put out two two compilation albums that are basically the soundtrack to it, and I got them. There's some really good stuff on there. Um, I know you're like a Cosmic Psychos fan, right? Yep. And there's uh, just a ton of other bands that uh, you and I probably like. Um, Well, at least I do anyways, like Tad and Killdozer. I really like the Crucifix as well. Uh, The Fluid, Gumball. There's lots of good stuff on both of these compilation records. And uh, it was actually, you know, like, 
it caused me to want to watch the the uh, the documentary again. I watched it when I got it, but it's been a while. So I got these records and was really jamming to these old '90s tunes. It was really good. And right uh, can you get the like the movie with the records, like as like a set or something? Well, I don't know. I'm just thinking about that Chicago one that comes with a DVD. Oh yeah, no, you weren't there or whatever. Yeah. This one, uh, I had to, like I've. <laughs> I, I basically ordered the DVD, and then several months later, the uh, the volume one of the American Noise compilation came out, and I kind of sat on it for a bit, and then volume two came out, so I ordered both volumes at the same time, but two separate orders. Gotcha. I also got, though, um, a, a, a recommend. I don't know if uh, I've ever spoken with you about them, but this band, The Laughing Hyenas, yep. and... Uh, they're an old touch and go band, but all their stuff has basically been remastered and reissued on basically a split release between Third Man and Touch and Go. And oh. highly recommend those. They it's a really good remaster job. I don't know if you're a fan, but they're just awesome. I got all those. Hmm. And uh, if you remember in the last episode, I think we were talking about whether we like live albums. I got a live album that I really liked. Oh yeah. And it's it's a bit of a blast from the past for me, and it, I'm sure it would be for you as well. It's a live from Third Man. Have you ever seen those live from Third Man series? Oh yeah, I've got some of them. Like Melvin's yeah, and like Mud there's Honey. a Melvin. Yeah, yeah I, exactly. I've got the Melvins and the Mud Honey one. I bought the live Man or Astro Man one. Oh yeah, it's really good. Hmm. It's it's really really good. So, uh, anyways, I found a live album that I like. Nice. There you go. Right on. A couple of quick recommends. I was uh, I was definitely jamming out to uh, twenty years ago all day today. That's for sure. Hmm. I wonder if Manor Astroman's going to do another album. Well, they put out that one like five years ago or so. Yeah. Defcon five four three two one, I believe it's called. It was solid, really yeah. good. Yeah, I liked it. It was um, a little bit more straight ahead too than their later touch and go stuff, which got a little crazy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Defcon was a little bit more surfy, which is the stuff that I like the best from Manor Astroman. Same. So it was good, and this live record is is no different. I thought it it basically was like all of my favorite tracks from their early albums, and then some of the better tracks off of Defcon all live. And it was uh, sounds like it would have been a killer show. I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, you should do that. That's it for me. Are you ready for history lesson part one? You bet I am. History lesson part one. We have mentioned this compilation a number of times on the show because a number of the bands that we go through, especially in the early episodes, come up on this compilation. It's on New Alliance Records, uh, which was, you know, basically the Minutemen's label. It's New Alliance number three originally. It was originally released on New Alliance three. Do you remember what New Alliance Records number one is, Brant? Was it a Minutemen album? EP? No, it's the... It's the Cracks in the Sidewalk compilation. Right. Do you remember what New Alliance Records number two is, Brant? Is it a Mighty Feeble compilation? Nope. I believe that's number seven. It's actually the Slivers ah. seven inch, Restraint for Style. And we'll talk about the Slivers tonight. And then New Alliance Records number three was Chunks. And we, we have mentioned this one a couple of times before. We definitely mentioned it in the earlier episodes when we were talking about the Minutemen, because this is kind of from the era when Watt is still playing with a pick. We mentioned it on the My First Bells episode, mm-hmm. um, which, which is SST32. This one is basically, it's very similar to Cracks in the Sidewalk in that it kind of has kind of more punk stuff on side one and kind of weird stuff on side two. Mike Watt in A Wailing of a Town, there's a, there's a quote from him that just talks about how, you know, put together a bunch of Pedro bands, bands from the scene that they knew. But there's really not a lot out there about the compilation itself as a whole. I mean, in terms of like why it was put together, what was it what was it intended to capture, who really spearheaded it. There's nothing really about there out there about it out there that I could find. I could find stuff about the artwork and the bands, but not much about just the compilation brand. Is there anything that you were able to find? Not really. I did do a little spiel on New Alliance. 
Yeah, let's hear it. Most people probably know this, or we've talked about probably all of this before, but just a quick recap. It, the label was founded in 1980 by Dee Boone, Mike Watt, and Martin Tamburovich, who was the lead vocalist in Reactionaries. And you can hear him on, speaking of Water Under the Bridge Records, uh, they released, I think it was a cassette only last year, night or maybe a couple years ago, 1979. It's been it's been released a few times. It's also been called Live in George's Shed in San Pere- San Pedro. That's the Reactionaries record. Yeah, right. So Martin uh, unfortunately passed away in 2003. He also played in D Boone's Hammerdown, a band called Skin Horse, who has a track on that Taste Test Number One comp that came out way yep. later on New Alliance. Uh, he played in Slivers. He's played on a bunch of Minutemen songs, and then after D's passing. Uh, Watt was too busy with Firehose, so he and Martin sold the label to, to Greg Ginn in 1987. Ginn transferred some of the more popular titles like Minutemen and Descendants over to SST and starting, started using the imprint for more experimental uh, avant-garde and spoken word artists. I, and I was thinking back to the interview we, we did with Abe Gibson way, way back on the Blasting Concept episode, and I think he... I don't know if he got this from somebody that worked at SST or New Alliance, but the theory was that New Alliance was more for the projects that didn't tour. That's what Greg Ginn started using it for, like for new releases. Oh, yeah. But they did have their own staff. Uh, Robert Vodica is a guy who, who ran New Alliance for many years. And for a while there, it rivaled SST for, for output. They were really cranking stuff out. It ceased operations in 1998, and it's since been kind of erased from from SST history. It's none of the stuff is ever repressed or or available in any way. Yeah, I mean, this compilation comes out from 1981, and there was a pretty good release rate for those first years, and then and then when Ginn took it over, there was a fair amount too. Yeah, I will say though that. I mean, just like Cracks on the Sidewalk, it's got a very similar type of vibe to it. I mentioned that before, yeah. kind of side A is kind of has a theme, side B has a theme, but also the artwork, just the overall aesthetic. And it's a very New Alliance Records oh, yeah. type type of record, hey? Like if it's you know what, if just, you know... It's not just punk rock, it's, it's all kinds of stuff. And I mean, you hear this one come up a lot you know, from people. Here's a quote I found that kind of sums up a notion I've heard a few times. Uh, the A-side is a perfect time capsule of South Cali- Southern California beach town punk rock circa 1981. Like, it, I think it was a really seminal release for a lot of people on the scene. Yeah, I think so too. It really captured a moment. But that's why it would have been like really interesting to find something or something from someone that said, like, you know, the reason for Chunks is blah. You know what I mean? Well, I think the reason for any compilation, I mean, this was the era of punk rock comps. And if you're going to spend that money on a record, probably better to include as many bands as you can. Because you might sell more, right? Yeah, for sure. To their friends. And, you know, a lo- <laughs> yeah. A lot of the bands maybe didn't have enough for a full length, which is why you see a lot of seven inches and EPs coming out of the the scene around this era. Yeah. So there was a lot of comps, you know? Oh, for sure. So I got some stuff from Craig Abera about this um, release. Here's one thing that I should get into history lesson part one that I thought was kind of interesting. I noticed on Discogs, the release date for this is 1988. If you look at our timeline right now, we're, we're still into 1986. Uh, So Craig says, this came out in 1988 at the same time as SST 092 Cracks in the Sidewalk. Which, I mean, again, I think we're going to get to Cracks in the Sidewalk probably like this year. I think that came out in in 86 too. Craig says, sometimes records are given catalog numbers and then that record never ends up being released and that number is given to another record or skipped. Chunks likely should have been in the 90s for catalog numbers. Yeah, probably, it should have been. probably even oh. way later. 
Yeah, and back to back with cracks in the sidewalk, right? And yeah. when we're talking about when it was released, you know, 86, 88, that's we mean by SST at that point. Yes. At the time we're in right now, 1986, Greg Ginn doesn't even own New Alliance yet. Yeah, did Craig say anything else? Yeah, he sent me a few little snippets on some of the bands. We can get to that in History Lesson Part 2. We'll go through the tracks. Cool. Yeah, well, I've got a, a couple of uh, Water Under the Bridge releases to reference as well when we get there. History Lesson Part 2. This is an EP, Ryan. It's mastered on 45, right? So it's pretty short. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's when you listen to it on on 45, it, you, you're flipping it over pretty darn quick, especially side one. Side two's longer. Yeah. Every song on side one, with the exception of the Stain song, is around a minute or less. Why don't you take us through the tracks? Okay. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, track number one, side one, is the first time that the Descendants make an appearance on this show. Isn't that right? Yep. I don't even know if... It might even predate their first single. Uh, the Ride the, uh, Ride the Wild I don't single. Thi- I don't think so, because Milo's singing on this one, right? Right, right yeah. Yeah, no, in the first song, uh, like Ride the Wild and stuff like that, Milo's not on that. Right. This song This song is from, uh, well, it came out on the Bonus Fat EP. I had a question for you whether it's the same version. It sounds like the same version, but it's hard for me to tell hmm. for sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. But it. But I can see why you would think that this is of that era because I mean, they're not playing super distorted guitar. It's a little bit more jangly. Yeah. A little bit more jangly descendants right now. They're still kind of very heavily influenced by the last, I guess this era. Here's a little, uh, history lesson. I wrote on the descendants real quick formed in 1977 as an acoustic duo with Frank Nevada, who wrote this song, uh, and Dave, David Nolte, who went on to the last with his brother. And then uh, the kind of the, the first lineup of the, the band was Bill Stevenson, Frank Nevetta, and Tony Lombardo, who replaced Dave Nolte and is the first singer of the band. And then they released the Ride, Ride the Wild single in 1980. Then probably this, uh, Milo comes into the band on vocals. And then 1981 is New Alliance Records 5, the Fat EP. Yeah, so this global probing song, I think the bonus fat EP comes out after the fat EP, right? Yeah. And so that's why I was kind of wondering, like, is this is this the same version? It might be have been recorded before the fat EP, maybe, but then came out after. I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, I like. I mean, I like all Descendants. Some of the stuff is a little juvenile, but I like all of it. And yeah, me too. This this song is uh, this song is no exception. All right, the next band then is the Chiefs and the song with the song The Lonelies, which I'm pretty sure this might be the only time we'll ever see the Chiefs on the show, but um, they're a band from Hollywood. They uh, they put out an EP, self-titled EP from 1980, and then there is a uh, a compilation called The Holly West Crisis on Dr. Strange Records which kind of collected everything by them um which you can pick up now but um they're a good band i like the chiefs yeah so here's a little thing i found they have a facebook page it looks like they kind of reactivated for some shows at some point and did a facebook page not sure how many original members were in the uh, the band there there's some pictures of them and (laughs) several of them look significantly younger this is oh, what yeah. this is the bio on their page though. The Chiefs came together in the fall of 1979 in an office building at the corner of Hollywood Boulevard and Western Avenue. Uh, the first lineup was Jerry Kosky on vocals, George Walker on guitar. He wrote this song. Uh, Bob Glassley on bass and Rabbit, aka Kenneth Bragger, on drums. Then a second lineup had Paul Brashear on vocals. Uh, George on guitar again. He's kind of the I think it was kind of his band. Uh, Bob again on bass. And then Gilbert Navarro on drums, a.k.a. Gilbert Bruman, a.k.a. Jack Lopez, a.k.a. Jack Rivera. And he he ended up, he was like the first drummer in the Stains also. And he went on to uh, learn, switch to guitar 
And he was in that band, The Crawdaddies, who had like some garage rock stuff on Vox. Kind of like a Chesterfield okay. Kings kind of a thing. And uh, they he played on an album with them in 1987. He was also in a band called The Berry Pickers that had a 7-inch on Dionysus. thought that was interesting. Yeah. That's some good factoids, man. Yeah. I had to do a little digging for that. And uh, my my kind of thoughts on, on this that I wrote down are that it's like, sounds like proto-hardcore to me. It's like a one of those bands that are like a bridge between the first and second wave. Maybe a lot like the Stains, maybe. I definitely hear some Stiv Bader's influence in the vocals. Yeah. And uh, that single that you released is on Play Jam Records, which... The only other release I could find is that Gears album, Rockin' at Ground Zero, which is another, like, bridge band, I would say. Or maybe more of a first wave band. Yeah. But, but that's a really I good album. Said, I think you said that I released the first single. I mentioned it. I don't think I released it. <laughs> <laughs> it's and, all good. It's all and, good. And, and another thing I found is about the spelling of the band, uh, of the band's name. Yes because they apparently didn't know that it's I before I, E except after C. Yeah. Uh, so I guess when they started the band, Bob made a bunch of shirts with the wrong spelling, so they just went with it rather than scrap all the shirts. Right on, man. Yeah. Next, it's the Minutemen with the song Clocks, which is uh, definitely old-school Minutemen mm-hmm. in instro. Lots of uh, Watt with pick style bass playing we had this one on the my first bells and uh release that we went through sst 32 yep this song is also collected on a split single that water under the bridge put out with uh saccharine trust a couple of oddities there water under the bridge collected this and a couple of other kind of really rare minutemen tunes this clocks song it's given it says here clocks from new alliance compilation chunks the single also on that side collects 9:30 may the 2nd which is from the cracks in the sidewalk compilation and then it also collects prelude which is a t-rex song i believe hmm. from the new underground records compilation life is beautiful which you were just talking about oh uh, yeah it's written by mike watt I wrote uh, typical early Minutemen Gonzo Instro, 40 seconds. Yep. And we'll talk about um, the B-side of this once we get to side two of the Chunks record. Next is Black Flag doing Machine. Yeah, this is, uh, I would say, probably one of the early early songs with Dez on vocals. It's written by Chuck Dukowski, Dez Kadena, and Robo. It's the six-pack lineup, so maybe the same sessions as the six-pack single. There is some Des-era stuff on Everything Went Black from the attempted album sessions that they tried pre-damaged, so maybe from that session as well. It's also, this track is on the first four years, which is SST 21. Yep. I wrote, here's Des laying some groundwork for Henry. Pretty much, hey? Yep. Yeah, what do you think of this song? I mean, I know you're... You're, uh, we're both big Black Flag fans. You're probably a bigger Black Flag fan, and I think you're a bigger Des fan than I am. What do you think of this tune? Uh, I don't love it. Yeah. It is kind of a throwaway, right? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so too. All right, next, we, uh, we end side one with The Stains, Sick and Crazy, which we covered on our episode SST10 when we uh, covered the stains record. Yeah. I think we, we caught a bit of flack for not loving the stains (laughs) as much as everyone else in the world. Yeah. I still don't. Yeah. Me either. You know what, what, what it kind of did it for me too in this song. Guess what I did not like about this song in particular. What, what didn't you like? Too much whammy bar. (laughs) Normally I'm perfectly fine with too much whammy bar, but for me, I still hear the Dayglo abortions when I hear this, like really rudimentary punk rock. Uh, I believe this is the song we chose for the ballot result for the Stains album. Uh, This one's written by Robert Becerra and Jesse Fix. 
Jesse was in Reign of Terror with Ed Danke. I think we've mentioned that that a few times. Yep. I found a cool quote in Rockin' the Pop Narcotic from Joe Carducci. Dusty Cholos from East L.A. who very early on were conducting unholy experiments in mating 70s acid rock with the contemporary energy. Hmm. That's an interesting description. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's, I still say the same thing as I think we did on episode 10. I think they're, uh, you had to be their type of band to really have them sink their hooks into you. I don't know, man. This whole comp for me is maybe you had to be there in large part. It's interesting and cool. And it's awesome that they were, you know, putting out stuff that, that was this avant-garde in, in some cases anyways, not all of it. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, and, and again, I didn't grow up in Hermosa beach or the South Bay and this came out way before, before my time. So, and, and it's a time and place thing, I think. Yeah, I'll be very interested to see where we land in terms of ballot result. Let's uh, flip to side two. Okay. So side two starts off with the peer group and the song, I Saw That Movie. We've mentioned them before. We've also mentioned members of the band before. Um, there's Mike Hurley on drums, but also Gary Jacobelli is the singer, but also an artist who did the artwork for the Saccharine Trust, We Became Snakes record. Yep. And some other, some other ones we mentioned. Um, he's also, I believe, the guitarist for the Plebs, who put out a record on New Alliance called A Collection of Question Marks, a single. Yep. Um, Peer Group recorded an EP for New Alliance that never came out, but Water Under the Bridge Records a couple of years back put out a single by them called rhetoric and hands and there's a quote from mike watt on the single there and it says um the peer group were contemporaries of saccharine trust the minutemen and early 80s south and the early 80s south bay scene a very significant band at a very intense time okay one thing i noticed was that water under the bridge release is water under the bridge 009 which was is the blank catalog number for New Alliance Records? Definitely a reference to to the missing oh, New yeah. Alliance release. Nice one. Uh, here's what I got from Craig Abera, and and it's pronounced Jacobli. Jacobli, right? Yeah. <laughs> Gary Jacobli of Minute uh, Minutemen Saccharine Trust. Uh, Mike Hurley, the youngest of the three Hurley brothers. Linda Sedillo and Gino. Pusto, thank you for, to Craig for sending. <laughs> he spells out how to pronounce some of these names, so that's nice. And, oh, yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, and Gino actually wrote this song with Gary. Yeah, there's a whole section in his, in Craig's book, A Wailing of a Town, on the peer group as well, by the way. Right, nice. Uh, well, Gino later played in Plabes, again, uh, thanks to... Craig for correcting the spelling, uh, the pronu pronunciation of that. It's not the plebs. No, it's plebs. <laughs> uh, he played in that with Ken Starkey, who we're going to get to in a few minutes here. And Mar yep. Martin Tamburovich, who we already talked about from the reactionaries. Yeah. My thoughts on this one were, it's got a bit of a saccharine trust vibe to it. Agreed. Next is Vox pop Brandt. Mm -hmm. The song you're my favorite. And Man, oh man, I'm I'm going through a bit of a doll withdrawal. Can you hit me up on this song? Actually, I can because I got a I got a thing from Jeff Doll. He sent me some stuff on Vox Pop and and oh, uh, and this song. Right on, right on. Yeah. So here here's a little thing I wrote down first. This is not from Jeff, but little history lesson part one on Vox Pop. They were an L.A. experimental band around from '79 and '80. Mary Sims, who is also known as Dinah Cancer who was yep. in 45 Grave. Uh, Paul Cutler, who we've talked about a few times. He was in 45 Grave. Consumers, I know we've talked about. They had a, a release that came out on In the Red Records in 95 called All My, yeah, that's a good All My Friends Are Dead. That's a good record. It's really good. Uh, he was in Bee People, Gleaming Spires, and Dream Syndicate. And Don Bowles of the Germs uh, was also in uh, Box Pop along with Jeff Dahl. And here's what Jeff Dahl says. 
I asked him how, uh, if he knows how they came to be on the Chunks compilation. And he said, I can't say how we came to be on the comp. That would probably have been Don Bowles getting it together. He was the guy who networked the most. Jeff wrote the song himself, but it was called Viet Cong in America. Uh, when I played it for the band, they liked it, but were absolutely horrified with the lyrics. So I rewrote the words and it became You're My Favorite Obscenity. Mary added a line or two and that's the song. Hmm. Jeff goes on. Vox Pop never really wrote many songs in the classic sense. They usually wrote while jamming or someone played played a riff and we all just took off in whatever direction we pleased. But we also cherry-picked some consumer songs and loads of covers. Never played the covers correctly, but we played them so weirdly that people thought we they were original songs. But I brought a song or two and Don, Paul, and Mary wrote a couple. Not a lot of planning or direction with uh, Vox Pop. We just got as high as humanly possible and then plugged in and let her rip. Vox Pop was, Jeff, was Jeff's first band in LA uh, and then he joined, as you know, Ryan, the Angry Samoans in 1980 when Vox Pop was still going. Both bands came to, an, to a head at around the same time, so he started Power Trip in 1982. He's, we've talked about them a few times. Yep. They, uh, or more accurately, you have. <laughs> yep. Ed Danke was in Power Trip as well. Uh, Jeff is not on Back from Samoa, but he has some writing credits on it. The pa Angry, Mo Angry Samoans album. Yeah. Uh, the Power Trip 7-inch uh, Lab Animal came out in 1982 on Mystic Records, which we've also talked about a few times. Uh, Don Bowles also played in Power Trip. And Vox Pop had a pretty fairly famous single called Cab Driver that came out in 1980 and a 12-inch EP in 82 on Mystic as well. So there's a little box pop history lesson for you. Nice. Are you, do you still have a doll withdrawal? Because I can, I can stop, start talking about his solo career if you like. Why don't you save that for next week? <laughs> uh, <laughs> save it for next week. Right. Let's go on to the next track, which is uh, credited to Ken. It's the song Purposeless Attitudes. And Ken, of course, as you mentioned a moment ago, is Ken Starkey former guitarist for The Plabes. And it's basically like guitar and vocals only with some tape manipulation, to my ears anyways. Yeah, I don't know if it's tape manipulation. I wrote forward-backwards guitar noodling with mumbled vocals. Yeah. Well, how do they do the backwards guitar without manipulating tape, my True. friend? True. Okay. Okay. Craig Abera said Ken was a buddy of D's and would later play guitar in Plabes, as you mentioned. Next is a band we've mentioned a ton of times, I think, on the podcast, especially the early episodes, The Slivers, who, uh, as we mentioned earlier on in the show, put out the second single on New Alliance Records and has uh, Greg Hurley in the band. Whoa, whoa, get his name and, right. What's that? Get his name right. Okay, hit, lay, it, lay it on me, Brent. Greg Stinky Hurley. There you go. <laughs> and okay, and without further ado, what instrument does he play, Brent? Okay, well, here's what I, again, got from Craig Abera. So, George Hurley's middle brother's band, Greg Stinky Hurley, sang and made noises with his homemade instrument he made up called the Apple Sizer. Now, uh, is that the thing that sounds like slurping water and a slide whistle <laughs> mixed together? Is that what that that's is? That's what that is, I would assume, yeah. So it's it's all over the Slivers single yes, as well. Hey? Yes, it is, yeah. Yeah, that that whatever it is, I want to know what it is. I I must see it. Yeah, I would love to see a picture of the apple sizer. Uh, also in the band was Martin Tamburovich, Richie Wilder, and Bob Waller. Uh, you mentioned yeah, Restraint, it, Restraint for Style, which was recorded by Spot at Media Art. D. Boone gets a co-write credit on this song. Yeah, well, it's interesting in the uh, in that that uh, that flex book series when I was looking up the chunks compilation. Right basically says that or it suggests that d boone was in the band but i think he was just associated maybe with this one tune which is called sport by the way right it reminded me of that sex pistols thing friggin in the riggin <laughs> well there's definitely some like some real skronk and sax and apple sizer going nuts on yeah. this tune it's got a bit of a sea shanty vibe which makes sense with the pedro dudes maybe totally 
All right, next is Saccharin Trust doing the tune A Christmas Cry, which uh, this is on, we'll get to this on SST84. Again, it's on the, the compilation of Sacramental Element. It was also released as a promo single, but I mentioned that Water Under the Bridge split single where the Minutemen song The Clocks is on there. Yes. This song is uh, collected with others on side B. Okay. So there's uh, the two songs, Disillusioned Fool and Hearts and Barbarians, which um, Disillusioned Fool is from the Life is Ugly, So Why Not Kill Yourself on Underground Records. Hearts and Barbarians from the Cracks in a Sidewalk comp, which we'll get to in about 30 episodes or so. And then A Christmas Cry comes uh, comes in. So it's really cool that Craig collected these kind of hard to find tunes because like you know if you don't if you if you don't need to have chunks and cracks in a sidewalk and you can't fork out the dough for those life is ugly life is beautiful comps and you're a saccharine trust and a minimum fan you just can't beat the single it's got everything yeah. on it yeah i wrote down the dead wax for that promo single that you mentioned the single From, oh christmas christmas yeah. cry yeah okay lay it on me but Bone Jisms is a tenor man. That's What's it. that? But Bone Jisms is a tenor man. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, and my mind, the, the, the my lab- mind just got blown. <laughs> yeah. The label, uh, like the the label on the actual vinyl says, uh, see also Pagan Icons, Cracks in the Sidewalk EP, Chunks EP, The Future Looks Bright, 7-inch, and Life is Ugly. Hmm. Interesting. This song was written by... Brewer, Biza, Earl, Rob, Watt, and Spot. This is the Pagan Icons lineup of the band. Yeah. Brewer's kind of going nuts on it. Hey, there's like piano, guitar scratching, yeah, drums, clanking. The piano's just clanking, and it's it's really a Brewer showpiece for me anyways. Yeah. I thought it was maybe a reference to that shitty John and Yoko song that I just finished hearing way too much at Christmas time that Xmas is over, because... He's, so this is Christmas? Yeah. Though that lyric or whatever, yeah. maybe. I just wrote I Jack know. Brewer rapping over noise. Pretty much. Yeah. All right, and the next uh, track is credited to Artless Entanglements and the song is Dildos, Bondage and Toys. Yowza. Yeah. Tell us who this is. So Artless Entanglements is Spot. I reached out to Spot and got a few comments from him. Cool. Uh, so I asked if this was maybe recorded at the same time as there is a collection called A Collection of Vintage Spotness, which came out in 1987 under the name Artless Entanglements. Yep. And Spot says, no definitive Artless Entanglements session. It was whatever I did, when I did it, for whatever reason I did it. Like shit pulled from the freezer and shit gotten fresh and canned and maybe one pan, one hot plate, one fork. and on the back of that uh, a collection of vintage spotness there's a little write-up about artless entanglements and he says artless entanglements is not a band never was and never should be it's simply an excursion into the shipwrecked realm of audio and musical chaos all tracks all, all tracks recorded at media art between 79 and 81 yeah, I get the sense that like when he was in between bands or maybe just trying to get sounds out of mics, he would just go and screw around. Yeah. I wrote, for me, this sounds like something Mojo Nixon would have done. Maybe. I can see that. The mm-hmm. acoustic, acoustic guitar, yeah. Well, in the lyrical content as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a little uh, little blue, yep. I guess. Yep. Especially the early Mojo stuff. Yep. And then uh, speaking of blue... <laughs> we close out the record and side two with the Nig Heist doing the song The Nig Heist. Not as and blue as they would get later on though. No, but it's there it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. Or pun no intended, pun intended probably. Oh gross. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean for me the Nig Heist uh, I don't know. They're just like, you know. Yeah. They're kind of funny for a second and then I move on. So this song was written by Robin Henley, Mugger, and Spot. So very early, this is before the Nig Heist like probably went on tour and Davo and and Tom Tricoli and those guys were involved. Robin yep. Henley's got a if you 
check him out on Discogs. He did backing vocals on Everything Falls Apart, Husker Du, along with Merrill Ward and Mugger. Uh, I thought maybe this was like the first Nigheist recording prior to the 82 Walking Down the Street single on Thermidor or the Bean Spill split with Minutemen. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how old it is. It might be. Yeah. It might be that old. Do you want to talk about the artwork? Yeah, I got a little thing from Craig Abera about that. Okay, well, let me, I'll tell you what Watt said about it in the book real quick. Okay. Craig's book. Basically, it's really the only specific quote that I could find in A Wailing of a Town, Craig Abera's book about the Pedro scene. And it's a quote from Watt that basically says, nobody told Raymond what to draw. He just drew this cover for us. We said, hey, will you draw something, Raymond? And this is what he provided. Yeah, I don't think you tell Raymond Pettibone what to draw. No, I don't think so. What did Craig say? He says, when SST re-released this one, uh, Craig did the new layout for the SST version. It's basically the same layout with the Pettibone art, except for additions of SST info and the small front cover change, which was the band's names added to the front cover. So So when buyers went through the record bin, you could see which bands were on it. Craig says, I think this was my idea if I remember correctly. I recall bringing this to the art director's attention and then getting the green light from Greg and Chuck to add the band names to the front cover. The art director was Richard Ford, who uh, we've talked about before. He was in SWA briefly. Richard uh, also did production and worked his ass off, according to Craig. Very cool dude. He showed me the ropes when I got hired in October of 87. I was pretty much hired straight out of high school. I had no prior schooling in layout and design, unfortunately. There's a chance Patrick Manning was art director by the time this came out, who took over for Rich. It's a bit blurry. Uh, It says on the back cover drawings by Raymond Pettibone. It's kind of like some of the other stuff we talked about before. It's got some panels. Interestingly, Ryan, there's no captions on any of these. Well, except for the back. Right. The back, and it, you know, note as well that Pettibone is spelt with an E yes. at this stage, which which uh, denotes very early Raymond stuff. You almost have to look at the panels starting from the back, though, if you if you think that it's following the life of a fetus, oh. I guess. Because in the back cover, the fetus, I guess, is in the mom. Yep. Right? It's got the caption there, like she's got a musical note, like she's got a song in her head. But then there's kind of a word bubble coming out of her tummy saying, all I want to do is die in peace. And then there's a caption, guns don't kill people, songs do. But then if you follow it over, I suppose the the next panel, if you were to assume what order to view them in, if you could even make that type of connection, would be the top left panel where it looks like a... Uh, like a, I, I presume like an African woman along a shoreline holding the fetus in a jar. Yep. And then you would go to the maybe the bottom right, which uh, has the fetus in a jar again, next to, I'm I want to say it's a crystal ball maybe. I thought either Don't, that I put either a crystal ball or a mirror, like one of those maybe mirrors a mirror. that sits on the stand. Yeah, maybe a mirror, good one. And then I, I think it goes up to the baby who's got a thermometer and uh, a lot of hair yep. with someone holding a match there yeah, almost like, like it's trying to almost like it's trying to light a cigarette but it's a thermometer yeah someone's coming out of like the fourth wall with, yeah with a lit match but i don't know it's hard to tell if that would be next or if the bottom left would be next because it almost looks like the jar was dropped and the baby's on the ground. So I can't tell which is like the final panel, I guess, when I look at it now. But um, it's very Pettibone-esque, that's for sure. Yeah. The one one thing that strikes me, though, is I mean, like, everything looks like it has been done by hand, but it almost has in in these panels, and it might have just been because it was shaded, and then when it went to the print shop, it turned out this way, but it's got the dots, like newsprint dots, cool. which is, um, I don't know if that's on purpose to make it kind of look like a comic book panel or something like that. Do you have the SST or the New Alliance version? 
I have the S. Uh, sorry, I've got the new Alliance version actually. Yeah. This was released on LP only, I think, on New Alliance, but the SST versions came out on CD and cassette. Okay. And, yeah, and so one I've thing got... we should mention, Ryan, that this was produced by Giza X, except for Machine, which was produced by Spot. Yeah, Giza. Yeah, I've got. I've even got some uh, dead wax here for us. Oh, baby. Um, but I believe it's only on. I think it's only on one side. Let me see here. Yeah, it's only on the B side. But let me double check. I wonder if that yeah. made it to the SST version. I don't know. So on the B side. Only the dead wax says spot rules the toilet stools. <laughs> nice. Yeah. There you go. That's chunks for you. <laughs> chunks in the toilet, maybe. Oh god. <laughs> Quick, let's go to the ballot result. <laughs> ballot result. Ryan, lay it on me. You know? Like, do you think I... this needed to be re released? Uh, well, needed is a tricky question. Yeah. I like mean, on CD and cassette and vinyl? I don't know. Probably not. But I mean, if they're thinking about like, what's some catalog we can sell and, and move? Maybe. Um, for posterity as a document, you know, I don't know True. how many New Alliance printed. Probably not. I mean, if you had uh, only the New Alliance ones out there. That's true. I don't know. It probably needed to be, probably needed to come out. You know what it would have been really good is if they put chunks and cracks in the sidewalk on the same release, like yeah. did a, a, a combo release. They that totally would have been could good. Have. They're both EPs. So. Yeah. yeah. Should have done that. Yep. But I don't know. I keep going back to the Descendants because I I don't know. It's like I'm just pumped that uh, we got our first Descendants song, but I'm... Um, I'm open to what you got for yeah, ballot results, for sure. It's the best song, for sure. Yeah, Global Probing. Yeah. Let's do it. Right on. Ryan, what's next week? Next week is another compilation we've mentioned before, SST70, the various artists release, the 7-inch Wonders of the World. And uh, there's some great, great songs on there to go over again. So I'm actually looking forward to that. And we've got a special guest, Brant. Yeah, Jordan Schwartz, who uh, we've talked about a few times on this podcast and worked at the label for many, many years and was involved in a lot of different projects. He's our guest. And we actually talk about this release, too. He's one of the dudes who this was a seminal release for. So right on. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all at Mojack Pod. We post all kinds of info and tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show. Our blog is mojackpod.com. Please check it out for some exclusive content. If you like what we do and want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is also appreciated. We love hearing your opinions, corrections, and feedback, so feel free to post on our social media sites and send us an email to mojackpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for all the support, and we hope to see you next week.